This is uh, Dr. Pedro Ramirez, Editor-in-Chief of the International Journal of Gynecological Cancer. And today I have the great pleasure of speaking with Dr. Amir Jaziri, who is a professor in the Department of Gynecologic Oncology and Reproductive Medicine here at MD Anderson, and also he's the Director of Gynecologic Cancer Immunotherapy Program. Welcome, Amir. Thank you so much, Pedro. It's an honor to be here. So, Amir, this is really obviously quite a, a relevant and, uh, and uh, interesting topic, uh, the, the role of immunotherapy in, in gynecologic oncology and particularly focusing on, uh, on the management of, of ovarian cancer. So I was wondering if we can just start by having you explain what, what we understand and, and how we define immunotherapy and tell us what we mean when we say that a, a tumor like ovarian cancer is, is immunogenic. Sure. Um, so immunotherapy simply means um, a way of treating cancer by stimulating the immune system to recognize and kill the cancer cells. And in fact, the idea has been around for over 100 years, uh, but I think the, some of the recent successes are, of course, notable and led to uh, awarding of the Nobel Prize in Medicine and Physiology last year. For the, for the purpose of discovery of immune checkpoint inhibitors. In terms of immunogenicity, I think that, that's just a term that refers to the fact that ovarian cancer can be recognized and killed by the immune cells. Obviously, that's not something that happens frequently, uh, and really the crux of the whole immunotherapy for ovarian and other gynecologic cancers is to find ways of getting the immune uh, system to better eradicate gynecologic cancers. So to, to that end, uh, for, for those of us who are not as familiar or may not uh, remember our, our uh, uh, in, in immune uh, profile from, from medical school, tell us a little bit about the role of like T cells and dendritic cells and cytokines and interferons in, in how all of this uh, comes together. Sure. So cytokines are simply low molecular weight uh, extracellular signaling molecules that are synthesized by various uh, immune cells. Um, you know, without getting too in-depth, uh, the immune cells can be thought of as the killers, and those are the cytotoxic T cells or CD8-positive T cells. Uh, the helper T cells help the killer cells to um, better function, replicate, and um, attack their targets. Um, and interferons are, are simply a class of cytokines that are involved in activation of the immune system. They're usually divided into uh, various types. Type 1 interferons consist of interferon alpha and beta, and their main role is in antiviral um, immune defense. Uh, type 2 interferon consists of interferon gamma, and this is a molecule that activates macrophages, and it's involved in phagocytosis of microbes in the body. Um, so these are basically the various components of the immune system, um, but uh, they all work together um, in um, immunotherapy, but also in uh, recognition of uh, um, pathogens in our body. So Amir, I understand that, you know, certainly previous approaches and therapies incorporating the use of cytokines and and in fact, cancer vaccines were not as, as successful as we had expected. Uh, tell us a little bit as to why that might have been the case and, and where do we stand today uh, with regards to those approaches? Yeah, I think that's a great point and, um, you know, sort of along the lines of 
the fact that the idea of immunotherapy has been has been around for a long time and various approaches have been tried. I think as an example, uh, there was a trial of uh, carboplatin and taxol with or without interferon uh, in patients with advanced stage ovarian cancer. And actually, a trial had to be stopped early because the arm that had the interferon uh, counterintuitively did worse. Um, and, and that's just, uh, I think, a reflection of our incomplete understanding of various components of the immune system and the fact that many of these cytokines have pleiotropic or multiple effects. Uh, so there is no easy solution of um, just adding chemotherapy to immunotherapy and making it work better. And I think really um, probably the biggest change was the recognition of immune checkpoint pathways and uh, with that immune checkpoint blockers and uh, sort of other co-stimulatory and co-inhibitory molecules in the immune system uh, and the ability to manipulate them using monoclonal antibodies. So I really think we're now in a new era of immunotherapy. And although vaccine treatments and cytokines by themselves did not work well in the past, uh, I think it's very interesting um, and a hot area for investigation to combine these with immune checkpoint inhibitors and some of the more modern um, uh, therapies that target the immune system. So then that, that brings us to, to the point that I wanted to discuss on, on basically cell-based therapy. And um, it's been shown that the transfer of autologous lymphocytes that target unique proteins encoded by some of the mutated genes has led to really objective clinical responses in, in many tumors. And I know that you're, you're doing some work on, on the tumor infiltrating lymphocytes can you tell us a little bit about how these might be used in the management of patients with gynecological cancers? Sure. Um, for listeners who may not be as familiar with uh, adoptive cell therapy or adoptive cell uh, transfer, these are basically techniques where immune cells from the body are harvested. They can be harvested from the tumor. Those are tumor-infiltrating lymphocytes or from peripheral blood. These immune cells, we now have the technology to expand them in the lab and then return them to the body. Furthermore, um, there are subtypes of adoptive cell therapy that involve genetic modification of the immune cells prior to returning them to the body. Why would we do genetic modification? That's usually to um, prescribe a specificity to the immune cells so that they recognize a given target when they're returned into the body and more potently uh, attack um, those targets, which are usually tumor-associated antigens. So, um, you know, largely adoptive cell therapies can be divided, those that involve genetic modifications like CAR T-cell therapies or engineered T-cell receptor therapies, and those that where the T-cells are not genetically modified for example, uh, TIL or tumor infiltrating lymphocytes that you alluded to. And Amir, just uh, so that we have a, a clear understanding on this, uh, the, the approaches with tumor infiltrating lymphocytes, those are all under clinical trials, correct? That's correct. Um, uh, I think right now in melanoma, some of these approaches are being used as um, salvage therapy and standard therapy, but um, all of the ones that are being investigated in 
gynecologic cancers are as part of clinical trials. And as we mentioned previously, you're your director of the immunotherapy program here in gynecological cancer, um, which basically also uh, tells us about the importance of individuals who are um, specialized in this type of treatment. Uh, what, are, what are some of the limitations to the adoptive T-cell approach, and, and what are some of the issues that we have to be um, aware uh, when treating patients with these approaches? Sure. So to delve into it a little bit deeper, um, these T-cell therapies um, are often um, not just simply infusion of the, the T-cells, but frequently they have preconditioning therapy prior to T-cell infusion, which involves high doses of chemotherapy, usually cyclophosphamide and fludarabine. And uh, for TIL therapy in particular, there's usually adjuvant high-dose IL-2, which is administered to help the T cells grow and divide in the body. So um, because of the side effects of high doses of chemotherapy and high doses of IL-2, which really are included in, in this type of adoptive cell therapy, um, it does require um, special experience and expertise and often a multidisciplinary approach for safe administration. So now, um, you mentioned previously the uh, um, issue of immunological checkpoints and, and how this has become really uh, the, 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 the forefront of, of immunotherapy for many cancers. Um, PDL1 and uh, CTLA4 are negative regulators that um, attenuate the normal T cell activation. Um, can you tell us a little bit as to why PDL1 and CTLA4 are important? particularly in the treatment of gynecological cancers? Sure. So um, CTLA-4 and PD-1 immune checkpoint pathways were the first that were identified uh, initially in melanoma. And in fact, their identification uh, was what subsequently led to awarding of the Nobel Prize to individuals who identified these pathways and first showed that inhibiting these negative pathways can have a net stimulatory effect on the immune system. Um, I think their importance is they were the first to be discovered, and so there are many uh, drugs, uh, namely monoclonal antibodies, that target these pathways. However, they are not by any means the only immune checkpoint pathways, and um, sort of on the other side of the coin, there are also immunostimulatory pathways that can now be manipulated with monoclonal antibodies as well. So I think we are really in the infancy of this phase of immunotherapy, and while uh, there are many successes to point to with anti-PD-1 and anti-CTLA-4 therapies, I think this is really hopefully the tip of the iceberg. And, and to that end, uh, do, you, do you consider there are some really uh, exciting studies or key studies that are incorporating the use of uh, PD-L1 inhibitors in ovarian cancer right now? Yeah, so PD-1 or PD-L1 inhibitors in ovarian cancer by themselves are showing about a response rate of 10 to 15%. And I think we would all agree that uh, that modest response rate, though promising, is not what, um, what we, any of us would, um, uh, would hope for. I think there is some indication of combination of CTLA-4 and anti-PD-1 therapy um, uh, based on the abstract that was presented at the international meeting last year 
and does produce higher response rates of around 30%. So that's promising. But I think that sort of is one of the challenges in the field is how do we expand the benefit of these types of immunotherapies for more patients? And speaking to that, and, and, and I know that we've been focusing on ovarian cancer, uh, but many patients, as you know, are asking us about immune therapy for cervical cancer, or is there anything exciting going on with uterine cancer? Yeah, I think there's a lot of excitement uh, in those two arenas. Um, I think, uh, you know, I'll address endometrial cancer first. Uh, there, um, the significant finding was the recognition that microsatellite unstable uh, tumors, including microsatellite high um, endometrial cancers, respond, have a high response rates to anti-PD-1 therapy, such as um, uh, pembrolizumab. And that landmark paper by Lee and colleagues uh, led to eventually to the FDA uh, approval of uh, this treatment for patients with MSI high tumors. And uh, about 25 to 30% of endometrial cancer patients fall into this category. So uh, already uh, we can sense an impact of treatments that were not available uh, before 2017 and um, I, I think we've all had patients uh, for whom we wouldn't have any other alternative treatments who are now uh, on these treatments, and some are having complete responses, which is truly amazing. Um, within cervical cancer, um, uh, again, uh, as you're aware, patients with metastatic recurrent cervix cancer, especially those who have already progressed on uh, chemotherapy plus or minus bevacizumab, are a population that really is an unmet need in our field. And um, pembrolizumab gained a, a, a preliminary FDA approval with only a response rate of 14%, which tells you sort of um, uh, the extent of that unmet need. But that is now um, a possible option for those patients whose tumor is considered PDL1 positive. And Amir, so follow-up question um, to that. In the setting of cervical cancer, uterine cancer, is it uh, looking like we're going to be combining these with chemotherapy or um, as single agents? I think um, there are investigations looking at all options. There are definitely a large uh, uh, randomized trial of looking at chemoimmunotherapy approach uh, in cervix cancer. Um, there are definitely studies of combining immune checkpoint inhibitors with uh, possibly immunostimulatory molecules in the same patient population. Um, some of the other approaches that are being considered is using radiation as an immune sensitizer. And um, uh, last but not least, uh, certainly TIL immunotherapy that we, um, we alluded to. Um, and we had the privilege of uh, presenting um, the um, preliminary results of that study at ASCO in 2019, uh, where we had a response rate of 44%. So um, those are all promising avenues for patients with um, metastatic recurrent cervix cancer. And you spoke previously about FDA approval, and particularly of uh, pembrolizumab in, in cervical cancer. Um, other FDA-approved immunotherapies today in gynecological cancers? I think right now uh, the indications for MSI high tumors and pdl one positive cervix cancers are the only indications I'm aware of, but again, tons of studies uh, ongoing. 
So what do you see as the greatest challenges with immunotherapy uh, today? And, and what do you foresee for, for the next five, 10 years with immunotherapy and gynecological cancers? I think that's a great question. Um, I think clearly um, the, one of the greatest challenges that faces the field is what is the right combination for each type of cancer? It's likely that treatments that might work well in melanoma may not necessarily be ones that work well for ovarian or cervical cancer. Uh, and then the second challenge um, um, is the fact that there is a huge pipeline of these um, immunomodulatory drugs that are becoming available. This is largely because many of them are monoclonal antibodies, and monoclonal antibodies are relatively easy types of drugs to generate. And I think a challenge for the field is going to be the way we evaluate this huge pipeline. Uh, and it may require rethinking our traditional phase one, phase two, phase three clinical trial approach as um, that will take a very long time uh, and um, will create a bottleneck in finding the right treatment combinations for our patients. Well, Amir, this has been really a, a pleasure speaking with you about this uh, very important topic. Any uh, closing summaries you would like to make for our audience? Well, I think as, uh, as uh, many of the members of the audience recognize, I think we are in a new era in cancer treatment. I think uh, we already know that immunotherapy has been a game changer for a number of different cancers. And uh, I think the challenge for us to make it work for patients with gynecologic cancers. Thank you very much, Amir. It's been a pleasure. Thank you.